Hello. Oh, good. It's working. Good morning. Uh, I'm Jay, and, well, most of you know me, um, so good to see you. Um, So we are in a series about giving it up. This week, we're going to see how and why we should give up control to God. Does anyone here have all this figured out? I know I don't. As a sidebar, I'd like to note that you may see that the sermons that my wife gives me to preach, she picks because she wants me to learn something as well. And so I was wondering if my next sermon might have something to do with cleaning up after myself. We will see. Um, So in our scripture today, we see that Satan is offering control to Jesus and to Adam and Eve. And Satan offers us control as well. In Matthew 4, we just read how Satan tries to tempt Jesus by saying, here, you can have control. But Jesus sees through Satan's plan and confronts him with scripture. Jesus denies his own wants, his own impulses, and follows God's will. This is our example to follow. In contrast, in Genesis 3, we see that Satan tempts Adam and Eve and offers them control, in this case, wisdom and knowledge, and to be like God. Adam and Eve succumb to Satan's temptation, and sin is brought into the world. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They wanted to be in control. This is how the world behaves, and sometimes, sadly, so do we. So that's the question. What about us? Do we want to be in control? Honestly, we're used to having control over so many things, or at least the illusion of control over so many things, that we often fail to seek God's will for our lives and try to make decisions without his guidance. But God wants us to deny ourselves and give him the final say. So, who really is in charge of our lives, our purpose, and our destiny? Is it us or is it God? God created every one of us with gifts and abilities for a specific plan and purpose. Nobody else can do it. It's for you and you alone. Well, what if we choose not to be obedient? We have free will. The Bible tells us that. God allows it. It's a gift he gives us. So we can do things that are against his will because he loves us. And honestly, there can't be any true love if you take away free will because it's not a choice then. Love isn't about being compelled to love. It's a choice we must make. The question is, is if we have free will, can we foil God's plans? Well, the Bible teaches us that God is in control. Divine providence is the term we use to describe the governance of God by which he, with supreme wisdom and love, 
cares for and directs all things in the universe. So God is in complete control of all things. Not some things, not some of the time, but all things, all of the time. Scripture teaches God is sovereign over the universe, the physical world, the affairs of nations, human destiny, human successes and failures, and the protection of his people. And to ensure that his purposes are fulfilled, God governs the affairs of men, and he works through the natural orders of things. See, the laws of nature don't have any inherent power, things like gravity and, and so on. These are principles that God set into place to govern how things normally work. But these are only laws because God said they are. God sometimes, however, will work differently and work directly and violate the natural, the natural order. And these are called miracles. A miracle, again, is God circumventing the natural order of things to accomplish his will. So let's look at a couple examples. Uh, if you look at the story of Joseph, for example, God allowed Joseph's brothers to kidnap Joseph, to sell Joseph as a slave, and then to lie to their father about his fate. This was bad choices. This was a wicked thing to do. And God was very displeased with what they did. Yet God used their sin to a greater good. As you all know, Joseph used his position as prime minister to sustain the people of Egypt and his own family during a prolonged fast. Another example that hopefully we're very familiar with is the story of Judas Iscariot. God allowed Judas to lie, deceive, cheat, steal, and of course betray Jesus. Jesus had to die at the hands of the Romans in order to become the sacrifice for sin. Had Jesus not been crucified, we would still be in our sins. So God allowed Judas the freedom to perform a series of wicked acts, again, for the greater good. Romans 8.28 says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So God is never out of control. God allows things for a reason, and his plan is always good. There are some who say that the concept of God directly or indirectly orchestrating all things destroys any possibility of free will. But remember that God knows past, present, and future. And so he already knows our choices. He knows where we're obedient and where we're disobedient. Hopefully, more often obedient. So in a sense, he's kind of already seen the movie of our lives before it even happened. And he's able to edit his plans to accomplish his will. I think that says that we really can't foil him no matter what bad choices we make because he already knows those choices in advance. So what is the objective of God's providence? I think we've established that he is in control. Well, God has two main goals, his glory and the good of his people. 
which is salvation. These two objectives are always in harmony. God never pursues his glory at the expense of the good of his people, nor does he ever seek our good at the expense of his glory. He has designed his eternal purpose so that his glory and our good are bound together. If we are going to learn to trust God in adversity, we must believe that just as certainly as God will allow nothing to subvert his glory, he will allow nothing to spoil the good he is working in us and for us. Is God sovereign? Well, if God is not in control of all things, then he's not sovereign. If he's not sovereign, then technically he's not God. And if you think about it, if our will can trump or override God's divine providence, then who is God? That makes us God, because then we'd be in control. And we know that's not the case. God's sovereignty is a natural consequence of the fact that he knows everything, omniscience, that he controls everything, omnipotence, and his omnipresence. He's everywhere. So God has the power and knowledge to prevent anything he chooses to prevent. So anything that does happen, at the very least, is allowed or permitted by God. God may choose to allow things that he doesn't directly cause. The fact that he is sovereign means that he has the power, the wisdom, and authority to do anything he chooses or to allow anything he chooses. Now, if God permits something, he's permitting something as part of his design. So this is a little confusing, but when you permit something and you know what it's going to do, and you know all the outcomes, as only God can, then you're going to permit something that lines up with the overall pattern of what you're trying to accomplish, his will. When I reflect on my own life, and I try to think about times I thought I was in control, and certainly I've learned that it's not really me, it's God in control. It took me back to a time when I was um, in training as a, as a surgeon. And uh, we used to have these things in Virginia called trauma alerts. And so you'd have a pager you'd wear on your hip. And when something really bad happened, your pager would go off. And you just had to drop whatever you're doing and run down to the ER and hopefully do something useful in some way, shape, or form to save someone's life. And so I was remembering this time when um, I was a chief resident. So when you're, that's your last year of training, and so you're like the highest-ranking person in the, in the hospital, and, um, you know, we get a call, trauma alert level one, so you rush down to the emergency room, and we found out that someone's coming in that's been shot in the chest, and they have no pulse. And so... Right there and then, you're kind of like, well, we're not starting off very well. Uh, what are we going to do here? And you start trying to go through scenarios. And, and, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen this. I've been doing it at this point for like five years, but at different levels of responsibility. 
And so this guy comes in and no pulse, and of course he looks ashen and terrible, and everybody's working together, and I'm there, I'm the designator, and I'm supposed to be in control. One of the things they always say is, check your own pulse first. <laughs> Make sure that uh, you're doing okay. And so, you know, I, I've trained to be in control, so I know what to do. I take a really big knife, I cut a really big hole in his chest, I go in, I see that his, the sack around his heart is, is tense and hard. Um, I open it up and a bunch of blood gushes out. See, the pressure from the sack was pushing on his heart, so his heart couldn't function, so he didn't have a pulse. Of course, he's also bleeding, so we're putting blood in. And he's got a hole in his heart. And so the nurse is kind enough to hand me a stitch, and I sew up the hole in his heart. Woohoo! I saved him. I'm in control. And maybe a week or two later, he walked out of the hospital. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. I got praise from the nurses. I get praise, wow, my residents are like, you know, oh, wow, that was awesome. And, of course, my boss, because he didn't have to come in, was all excited too. Um, And so at that point in my life, I pretty much felt that I was the boss and that I was in charge and that I was in control. So then 2005 rolls around a couple of years later, and Kristen gets diagnosed with brain cancer. We had come to Christ about a year before that, and I'm kind of thinking, hmm, I got four small children. My wife is maybe going to die from this, and I have no control. I can sew up a guy whose heart's bleeding, bunch of other things I know how to do to save people's lives. But I'm coming to realize that I really don't have control. That was probably the first time where God was like, oh, you thought you had it all together. You thought you had everything figured out, but it's time for you to learn that that's not the truth. So what did I learn from this process? Well, there's no doubt that cancer is terrible. Um, But God was able to use that situation. There were people that know Christ because of that illness. Our faith was strengthened because of her illness. And God used his people, the church, to minister to us, to show us love, to show us his love. So we were changed for good by something bad. The question is, is what was God going to do next? Um, So then in 2016, minding my business, had a great day, finished up my surgery, driving along, going to Target. And I get in a car accident. I always thought of myself as a pretty decent driver. I can get out of any accident. I drive a Mustang and all this stuff. But completely out of the blue, someone runs a red light and crashes into me. And I can't help but thinking, all right, God, we got through the cancer. What now? Why this, right? And so I'm like, all right, it'll just get better. And then, of course, I find out that there's a disc in my neck that's pushing on my spinal cord. So my surgeon says, oh, well, most of the people get better. Most of the people don't need surgery. Then I find out I'm operating and my right hand's not working so good. I'm dropping things and the little knots tie and stuff aren't going so good. So I'm like, we got to do something about this. So I see him. And then I have to have surgery. I'm like, really? 
And in the middle of this, God decides that I should go through the ordainment process. <laughs> so I'm like, really? So I kind of felt like, oh, is, this, is this the end then? I'm not going to be a surgeon anymore. I spent all this time and work and effort. Am I supposed to give this up? Or, you know, what, what's going to happen? But it, it was pretty clear to me what he wanted me to do. And uh, I struggled with it quite a bit. I said no a lot. And, you know, people would ask, why do you want to do that? You know, I fill out my form. Why do you want to be ordained and all this stuff? And I'd say, I don't. Uh, God wants me to. And, and so I'm like, hey, I'm too busy. I'm too this. I'm too that. And to be honest with you, I'm about halfway through. And I've learned a lot. And I'm really enjoying it. So I still don't know what God's really going to do with it. I know what he is doing with it. Which brings us to my next point. So let's fast forward a little bit to 2018. My neck still hurts, but I'm able to operate pretty much the same as I was before. It's just with pain. So about a week ago, I do a small surgery to remove a portion of someone's intestine. I do it all the time. I've done it thousands of times. And when we put it back together again, we check the inside, make sure it's healing. There's a little spot of bleeding. And so I hold pressure on it because that seems like the right thing to do to stop bleeding, right? First aid. And it stops. So then I debate, okay, well, do I want to suture it? It didn't start bleeding again. But if I suture it, I may cut off the blood supply and then it can leak, which is worse. Because if you leak, then you get really sick, emergency surgery, whatever. Or since it stopped, do I leave it alone? So I figured, huh, it stopped. I'm going to leave it alone. So everything's good for the first day. Second day, she starts bleeding. The nurse is calling, oh, lots of blood's coming out her bottom. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what's happening. <sighs> yes, you can take her back to surgery, but it's a really big deal. It's a lot of stress in the body, all this kind of stuff. And this has happened on occasion before in the past, and we just give blood and they get better. So we never want to give blood, but when you got to, you got to. So I give her some blood. Then I give her some more blood. Then I give her some more blood. So four units of blood later, a couple days pass, and last Sunday, I was sure when I got up in the morning that I was going to take her back to surgery that day. Except I look at her labs and her blood count's fine. And I call the nurse and I'm like, is she bleeding anymore? She, nope, stopped. So, suffice it to say that I am not in control. God is, and thank goodness, because I would have been operating again, right? Now, here's the cool thing. When I went to see her that day, I told her how excited I was, and I prayed with her. Then I went out to write my notes, and I saw that I had a consult. I was in the same room. So I went back, and I saw the lady, and she was so excited. She goes, were you just here? And I said, yes. And she's like, did you just pray with the... I said, yes, not knowing what she was going to say next. She goes, will you pray with me? I wanted a doctor who knows Jesus. So the sad story is this woman's had pain for about a year. Nobody knew what was going on, and we've made a diagnosis now of pancreatic cancer. So there isn't a whole lot that anybody can do for her. It's way too advanced. But she knows God's in control. It's a good lesson to learn. But really cool to see how God can use you.
despite yourself. So, now I know who's in control. The question is, am I going to remember it? Life is still hard. Kristen still has issues. I still have issues. My patients have issues. You guys have been through a lot, and you guys have issues. Some of your issues make my issues look like little issues. But we all have our struggles, that's for sure. But what have I learned through this process? What has God taught me? Well, I'm different. God has taught me to be bold and pray in the name of Jesus to help people. God is glorified, and God has used many of these difficult situations to change things for the better. The point is, he can change you too. In many cases, he already has. It's empowering. It gives you peace to know that an all-powerful, all-loving, perfect being cares so much about us. Clearly, these are things that we never choose to happen. But God used these things, even though some of them we think are bad, to grow us, to expand his kingdom, and he's glorified in the process. This is what his divine providence is to accomplish. And looking back at it now, I wouldn't change a thing. It sounds dumb to say, but I'm glad my wife had brain cancer. I'm glad I got in a car accident. I'm glad the lady got bleeding and then miraculously stopped because it taught me something. We focus so much on the here and now and our pleasure and our comfort. I don't think God wants to hurt us, but he wants to teach us. He wants to grow us and He wants to make us like Jesus. And we all know what Jesus went through. The question is, is are we going to trust him? That no matter what we go through, he's going to use it for good. We can say we do, but I don't think we always believe it. But here's the question you need to ask yourself. Which world would you rather live in? One where humans or Satan or chance govern what happens to you? Or one where our infinitely good, infinitely wise, infinitely powerful God works everything together for the good of those who trust him. Now remember, if God allows something to happen, it doesn't mean he doesn't have control. He has the ability to do anything, to intervene in any situation, but sometimes he chooses not to act. We may not understand it. We're not really meant to. That's the faith part. We're supposed to trust him. And there's lots of examples in the Bible of people doing just that. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego come to mind. Um, Sovereignty, if we truly believe, should remove a lot of our worries. We can trust that what the Bible claims about God's character is backed up by his ability. Not only does God love us, but he has the ability to care for us. 
Romans 8, 31 through 32 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Our salvation, this is important, our salvation has been God's sovereign plan from eternity past. So before he created anything, his, our salvation was his plan. God's sovereignty affects how we make decisions. Of course, we meet, need to make decisions prayerfully. A lot of times we'll pray for the big things, but not the little things. I think God wants us to pray for them all. The good news is, is even if we make the wrong decisions, all is not lost. We can trust in God's faithfulness and his ability to set us back on the right course. Remember, before time, God already knew what our decision was going to be. In fact, we can and should make decisions. We're not to sit and just let things pass by. God's sovereignty allows us to go bravely into life, trusting that our loving Father sees the larger picture and is working everything for our good and his glory. Let us allow God to define us and give us our worth rather than the world. When we understand that God is in complete control, we're free to live our lives. We can be confident that God will have his way and that it will be good. Even when the world seems completely out of control, God is always in control. How can I learn to trust that God is in control? Well, if you think about it, it's hard to count the numbers of independent free will decisions that people have made over the centuries, but these are that what God has designed to bring his plan into action. Think about Jesus. No action by the Romans, the Pharisees, Judas, or anyone else kept God's plan from unfolding exactly the way he planned before the foundation of the world. This means that God knit together Satan's rebellion, Adam and Eve's sin, the fall of the human race, and the death and crucifixion of Jesus, all seemingly terrible things, to save us before he even created us. The only way to trust in God is really to know him. We can't really trust in someone we don't know. And there's really only one good way to know God. You have to spend time with him. There's no magic formula. There's no mystical prayer. There's the Bible. The Bible is the single source of power that'll change our lives from the inside out. But you have to read it and you have to study it and you have to live it. Remember, don't try to figure out everything that God is doing. 
when we try to make sense of what appears to be senseless, we're choosing to trust what we can see rather than trust God. Trust that He is sovereign, that He does everything under His control, or has everything under His control, and trust that He is good and that He loves us. I think you proved that, don't you? Let's just finish with a couple verses from one of the songs that we sung this morning. From 10th Avenue North, the song Control. It says, God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my, hand, take my hands off my life and the way it should go. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your control. Help us to see that you care, that you love. Help us to see that even when we go through the impossible situations, even when we don't get to see the outcomes, that you are working all things for our good and for your glory. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.